century number 10 of Brendan Taylor. Talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there it is. His 39th one day international hundred. The king gets his crown at the Atlanta. Go on, Tegan. Deep in Wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates Rick Cole. He cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Very kind to say expert analysis, but I doubt it very much. But uh, I certainly do enjoy catching up with uh, all the cricketers, both past and present, and uh, having a bit of a chat with them as well. Hello, welcome to the podcast. And if you join us for the first time, and if you'd like to subscribe, well, it's pretty simple, really. You go to your preferred podcast app, be it Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, Downcast, or Pocketcast, and you search for Dean at Stumps. That is not the at sign as in an email at. It is AT Stumps. And then you subscribe, and you get to listen to some fantastic interviews from Andy Flower to David Gower to Michael Holding to Sean Pollock and many, many more. Now, that lovely little montage that was put together for me, you did hear the name of Brendan Taylor. In fact, uh, he's the first one who features uh, in the opening billboard when he brought up his 100 against India back in 2015, in the 2015 World Cup. Well, I was lucky enough to actually cup, catch up with Brendan Taylor, and uh, him and I had a bit of a chat. And uh, it has now been announced that slowly but surely cricket will once again start to be played. There is talk of an upcoming tour by Afghanistan in Zimbabwe, and also of Zimbabwe touring Australia for three one-day internationals in August. Well, Brendan Taylor is naturally very keen and excited to get back onto the pitch again. It is that, you know, it's, uh, we've been in the darkness for, for some time now, um, and that's fantastic news. We, we're all desperate to get out there. Um, but in saying that, I suppose it's put everything into perspective, you know. There's, there's people that have lost jobs and lives and, and stuff. So at the end of the day, cricket uh, is not so important. But um, I th- it's nice to see the sort of, I think, the world coming to grips with it a little bit, and now we can focus uh, at the job at hand. And so extremely exciting. I mean, going to Australia is, is something very special. Not not even you and, and all the cricket that you've played. Uh, well, you've been there f- f- as a World Cup, but now touring is going to be something different. You're not going to be playing in the major um, centres, you know, like where, where previous Zimbabwean teams have been lucky enough to play. But I guess still playing Australia in Australia is pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, apart from any sort of World Cup, um, this will be up there. Hey, I mean, I think we t- maybe toured them 2002, three maybe for the VB series. Um, so this is one that, you, you know, we have to take that off before I finish up playing. And um, But regardless of, of where the, the, the grounds are, um, just to be playing Australia is a, is a, is a big tick in the, in the right, right direction. direction sorry. It'll be interesting to see what sort of a team, because I mean, none of them have played for a while. So despite the fact that you know, obviously Zimbabwe, unfortunately, always classed as the minnows. They may actually put a pretty strong team out there just so that all the players can can get game time. Yeah, well, I think with the 100 ball thing in England being postponed or cancelled, they will have a strong side. And even if their top players don't play, they will be strong. They've got depth, as we know. Um, so, but I mean, fortunately, there's enough time. And if we can get Afghanistan before Australia, that'll be nice sort of middle prep before we do go. So uh, the nets won't be sufficient enough just to, to even compete with the Aussies. So some game time is hugely important. 
So how do we, or what do we know about Afghanistan in terms of, uh, of the schedule? Is it just going to be a couple of ODIs or T20s? Do we, do we have any idea? Uh, from what I last heard some months back, I think it was, we're looking at maybe five T20s. I think more so for their prep for the, the World Cup in Aussie. And, I, um, you know, so they might bring two ODIs or three ODIs in, but I'm, 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 I'm hearing five T20s. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Probably all of them at Harare. I mean, to try and take them on um, in, in Bulawayo could be a bit tricky with their, their spinners and that. I'm sure you're pretty much yeah. back yourself against their, their, their spinners. Uh, I do, and I, and I, and I, well, I mean, I tell you what, I, I've, I've, I genuinely believe they have the best spin attack in the world, uh, Nabi, uh, Rashid, and Mujib. Mm. Uh, I mean, they, they, especially in their conditions. But I mean, in Harari, they're less of a threat. Um, but still, some, some, they're still players that you, you show a lot of respect to. Um, but we definitely be suited more in Harari for sure. Okay, so uh, let, let's talk a bit about you. Um, not too many people have actually profiled you. Whenever we talk to you, it's always about you know an upcoming series or maybe a, a bit of a mishap that has happened or success that you've had. But uh, take us right back to where it actually started for you. How, how, did, how did you fall in love with cricket? Um, I think from grade one, 1992, at Lafordia. Um, the Campbell family were hugely influential in my my passion towards cricket um, and my old man uh, they you know on the farm there I had a, a concrete net that was built up and I was genuinely I'd convinced myself from that age that's all I wanted to do so the grades were, were below par um, but the the cricket the, the, my mental drive towards that was, was massive you know so um, that, that hasn't changed and and you know I, that taught a lot about myself, and then the guidance of uh, Polly Ian, Polly Campbell was 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 hugely instrumental. And then they had the, the sons Alistair and Donald, eh? That yeah. that certainly played a part as well. So I owe a lot to them. And did you have your typical backyard brothers, uh, backyard battles with your brothers as well? Yeah, being a middle child, the older one was he was a bit of a gumby. Eh? He wasn't he wasn't too too sharp on his feet. Um, he was just this big old ogre. Um, and and yeah, but there was that competition, a lot of tennis tennis court cricket, and then net cricket. And but I had the bowling machine, so I, I literally just had the big stand up with thirty balls, and they just kept rotating. And had a guy on the farm who had a good arm arm on him, and he just threw me. Thousands of balls, and yeah, I just I loved it. I really did. And the concrete was was quite fast and skiddy, so it was challenging. So I think it it certainly helped me for it, for it later ahead. And, and in terms of cricketers in in that particular era, um, as you were growing up, which, who were the cricketers that you looked up to? Because it is just before uh, satellite TV came into fruition, and then obviously you would have been, uh, you know, like teenager, just as we started watching a, bit, a lot more international cricket, but who were the cricketers that you looked up to in that, in that time as you grew up? Um, well, the ones in Zimbabwe, certainly Andy Flower was, was number one for me, uh, and still is. Uh, Grant Flower was another one, uh, partly because he played a huge part on, in, in, as a batting coach for me, so, uh, but I certainly idolised both of them a lot, um, and Alistair's flair, and uh, Alistair probably should have performed a lot better on, with his, his capabilities um, but then Grant and Andy were certainly the ones that were the ultimate professionals um, and, the, and the, one that, the one that I really really looked up to probably on an even par as Andy would be Adam Gilchrist from Aussie so um, yeah those, those three stand out um, uh, but I was hugely passionate about Zimbabwe cricket I mean the, the, the list goes on there's his streak and, and uh, obviously being an all-rounder but then Murray Good with Neil Johnson so how do you not look up to those guys Henry Longo as well so yeah 
I remember your mum and dad very kindly giving me a lift back. It was after the first test match against Sri Lanka down in Bulawayo. Mm-hmm. Well, it was during that. Uh, actually, it was the second test because the first yes. test played in Harare, the yes. second. And, and your mum and dad just telling me how much you, you loved Adam Gilchrist as a player. And you got to play against him in three one-day internationals at Harare Sports Club. Mm. But how nice was it that eventually in 2007 you were actually able to beat a team that had Adam Gilchrist? Just take us back to those, that, that particular game. I was there. I witnessed it. Yeah. What is it like on the field? Um, that was quite a nervy occasion. Hey? It was the 2007 yeah. World Cup T20 comp and we were based in Cape Town, weren't we? So um, he, that was the one game where I felt where all three disciplines we got right. Um, we were fantastic in the field. We bowled well. We restricted him to probably 137, if I remember correctly, somewhere there. And and we chased it down with, with the ball to spare. Um, and that was a time where I had to... We sort of pinched ourselves, and this is, couldn't be real. I mean, they're an absolute powerhouse in world cricket. I think they just beat England in the Ashes 5-0. Um, so that was certainly one of the most, uh, just a moment in my career where it was just mind-boggling what we had achieved. And it sort of gave you that self-belief that if you can do that, yes, cricket, T20 can be a bit of a lottery, but you still have to play well uh, and, and play well to beat a team like that, uh, the Australian side in 2007. So... Um, but it did give me that confidence to really, I think that really was the start of my career, even though I had three years before that. Um, that, was, that gave me the belief that I can, I can play against the best and actually do okay against them. Take us back to where, it, in terms of international cricket, it was a very tricky time for you and for a number of players. Mm. 2004, as you said, you'd already had the three years experience. But just tell us about the... Uh, the the euphoria of the the 2004 success, the under-19 success mm. in Bangladesh where you beat Australia and generally actually played very good cricket. And suddenly you'd come back to Zimbabwe and it, Bangladesh, their senior side were, were here in Zimbabwe. And the next thing, you get called up, you and, and a whole bunch of, of very talented but very young players. Mm. And you now have to ad- ad- adapt and adjust from, from playing under-19 cricket, which would have been very strong as well too. You know, playing full-on international cricket. I mean, was it ter- were, were there times when you were literally terrified going out there, or because you were so young, was it just something that you, you know, that you just took in your stride? Um, I'd, uh, I'll be lying if I said it wasn't terrifying. I mean, you you looked up to these guys, you see them on the TV. Now you're on the TV playing against them, and obviously we all know it was very fast-tracked. Um, but it, I mean, I think I, I got a duck on debut and it was like, wow, Chiminda Vas got me out, second, third ball in Bulawayo. And then, but I, gradually from there, I think I went 5, 11, 32, 78 or something like that. And I got better and then um, the belief started to creep in where you're playing Muralithrin and, and Vas and all these guys who are world-class players. Um, and then you, you sort of, your mind is quite a powerful thing. You go, well, you sort of defeat yourself before you go out there and you think, well, achieve, I'm not going to last long here. And then you hit a few balls and you go, well, a- absolutely, oh, I think I can actually handle this. Um, and then I think six weeks after that, we had the Aussies. Um, and, and that's when we had, yeah, 2004, the Aussies. And, and that was, and that's why I think I got a couple of half centuries in the first two games. But you, you, I remember facing up to like Glenn McGrath and you're going, it's a matter of time before he gets me out here. Yeah? And then you get in behind it and you, you get bowed on ball and you go, well, jeepers, I can do this. Uh, so that's the thing. Preparation and the mind is key. I think 70% mind and the rest is probably uh, your, 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 your training. And then, uh, then your captaincy, that's, that's one th- thing that I know that you enjoyed immensely as well um, when you were the test captain especially. But it was, again, a very interesting time because you would have been under 
a certain amount of pressure, I would imagine, leading up to Zimbabwe's return uh, to the test arena back in 2011. And luckily, you, you had it, everything went your way. You, you won the toss, you elected to bat, you, got, you scored runs, but you also won the test match. Um, but I, I, I know that you were under quite a bit of pressure leading up to that because many people felt that, you know, well, how is this going to go? Are Zimbabwe going to be able to deal with Bangladesh? What is Brendan Taylor's captaincy skills like? And all the usual questions that are asked of, I'm sure, that were asked of Dave Houghton as well when when he captained the side in Zimbabwe's inaugural test match. Um, you know, what was that whole situation like of, of now having to suddenly captain a side in the country's return uh, and, and also be expected to, to perform and to beat Bangladesh? Um, well, I think I was a little bit luckier than maybe Alton and Prosper because they, they got chucked into it straight away. I, st- I probably had six, seven years of actually playing and then coming to grips with uh, getting a little bit more experience. So I think I was probably a little bit more well-equipped than they were because I had, you know, those many years behind me. Um, but, I, you know, at that stage, we had, we, I think we had Grant Flower there. We, you know, we had his streak. There was, I think it was Butch, Butch the coach yes, then, I think the it was, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so we had a, a group of guys there that were... We were highly pre- prepared for this, and we put in a lot of time and effort. Um, and then that, I knew my game was ready to go, so I, my, my preparation was there, and the, probably the challenging part was going to be the captaincy. But we had a good side. We had Creamer. We had you know we had guys that were were playing well. Pricey was there. I think uh, Javi was bowling well. Alton Chigumburu was playing nicely as well. Um, so we, I think that was the best. Pr- the preparation we had, we we're ready to go, and we knew our conditions. So uh, we're Bangladesh. You know, don't like playing here as well as they do back home. But um, uh, I was definitely well prepared for it, and I think uh, you know, chatting to Streaky, you had captain a lot, um, and Gobbs as well. So those were those guys. I, I stuck close to them, and they, they helped me a lot. The nice thing was someone like Grant Flower, who you've mentioned, he was actually there when Zimbabwe played their first ever Test match in 1992. And then he was there when Zimbabwe made their return, not as a player but as a batting coach in 2011. So I guess he he could relate to a lot um, as to what you and the rest of the players were actually experiencing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot to mention Taibu as well. Yes. Taibu was, was, was keeping at the time and he had, you know, he had a lot of captaincy experience. So there was a nice balance between youth and experience. Um, and when you've got a few senior players around you, that makes life a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Gobbs was there. Uh, Streaker, I don't think he started 94 so, uh, or 93 in Pakistan, I think. Eh? Yeah, um, but yeah... It, like I said earlier, you know, the, the, we had five years to get ready for this big, big moment. So, uh, obviously, a lot of one-day cricket helped. Um, but Test Match Cricket is the pinnacle. And, you know, that's where we've, we've sort of held our own at home. But we, we've been found short a little bit away from home, haven't we? Yes, yes, unfortunately you have. But, I mean, it's understandable given the lack of time that you've played. But is there still a, ch- a chance of you and some of the older players playing Test Cricket? How much do you still feel that you have left in the tank? Well, contractually, I'm just a, a year and a half left on the contract. Uh, and but if I can eke another year or two, uh, happy days. But I don't see much myself going much further than maybe two and a half years. Um, I mean, if there's a lot of, I mean, if I can try and get to the next World Cup, maybe that'll that, that'll be a, a good little carrot to dangle there. But um, I still feel fine. I mean, also this 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 last three four months of the body's healed. I mean, the guys have stuck to their training programs, um, so we're ready to go. So. I mean, we haven't played a lot of cricket, um, and the schedule would have eased up now. So we, I'm ready to go, and, and we don't play as much cricket as other teams, do we? So it's, it's 
yeah, I think it's up to me as an individual. If I look after myself well enough, I can I can certainly play four or five years. But realistically, two and a half, three, and if I can get one more year, then we'll see. And of course, um, you spent a bit of time away from Zimbabwe. Just just tell us what it was like going onto the county circuit, because you would have been up against some incredibly good bowlers. You would have given a very thir- thorough and stern examination of your technique with the swinging ball, and you know just a lot of of professionalism. What was it like? Uh, you, you left Zimbabwe feeling really sad because I remember you telling me in a previous interview, up until that time, you'd never hated cricket. Well, there was a period, let's put it that way, that you really hated cricket. You didn't like it. So you went away. You reflected by, by having signing a Colpac deal. You played for Nottinghamshire for three years. What was that like? Um, those were good years. Those are three good years. I mean, it was tough to leave the kids, my wife, um, friends behind, and international cricket. That was that was a huge thing to leave behind. And uh, but I don't look back with any regret. I'm glad I did it. Uh, it taught a lot about myself. Uh, it was quite humbling at times. You know, playing in England in March, April, where it's cold, it's overcast. These juke balls are. You know, they can. You got these guys bowling 75, 80 mile an hour and making you look quite silly. So. Um, that's where I really had to, I, I learned a lot about myself and my technique. Um, and just being involved at a, at a, at a, a very big club uh, with a lot of history, um, some fantastic England players that were still around, ex-England players were part of the club. Um, it was, it was, you know, Zimbabwe cricket was actually, international cricket was a lot easier. You had six months of cricket where we probably wouldn't play that amount of cricket in 18 months. Um, so that was, that was challenging. Uh, you, you had these times where you know, if you, with international cricket, if you had a bit of a bad period, you, you had six weeks to go and work on your, your game for the next series, where in England they just keep coming thick and fast. And it's, that's where the, your men, mental capacity has to be bang on. Otherwise, you know, you, you, and you have to be performing because they, they're churning out players that are, are knocking on the door. And, I mean, they've got such a good feeder system that make it, which is a great thing because you, you're putting in the work and you, you mentally you, you're putting yourself under a large amount of pressure to perform. And, um, but that's something I, I felt I could handle quite well. And I think 11 years of international cricket before I left helped me for, to get through that. So winning the T20 Blast with Nottinghamshire, just as you before you came back to Zimbabwe, I would imagine would be the highlight of your time in in Nottinghamshire but what were some of the personal performances that you really rated because there were a couple of big hundreds that you scored in both the uh, uh, county championship and as well as the one day the 50 over tournaments as well was there one particular innings that you will always remember yeah I think if I put it down to there'll be two you know where we won that 2017 we won the t20 blast and we won the 50 over comp at Lords um I think we had, we had such a good side there where if some guys didn't turn up, other guys would turn up. And there was a quarterfinal at Somerset um, where we, I think I got a, quite a big hundred. And I mean, there was 840 runs scored in the day. So, and we only just won that game. So um, that was a good day. And, I, you know, and, and you didn't, didn't come good in the, in the semifinal. Other guys stepped up. So that'll be the one for me would be the quarterfinal 50 over Somerset. And then certainly the final would probably be the best one because at Edgebaston where we're playing Warwickshire uh, we're 30 for 3 and we had to sort of rebuild and I think I got 60 odd and, and Sam Patel and, my, and myself put on a 100 round partnership and sort of got things back on track and we managed to get to 190 so that was a the, that was a massive day for us and um, yeah we managed to defend the total and so to win the double not many teams do that so that was, that was probably probably the highlight of my career that, that year 
And then back you came in 2017, and I would imagine you weren't really too sure what you were coming back to, BT, because you know a lot of promises had been made, but the one excitement that you would have had was the qualification, the, the qualifiers for the World Cup, mm. couple of test matches against the West Indies, one against South Africa. Mm. Um, do you do you regret coming back because things haven't quite gone the way you would have wanted? Are there any regrets, or is it still something that you that you can look back and say, you know what, it didn't go according to plan for various things that that were beyond my control, but I still enjoyed. Yeah, I don't have any regrets. I mean, uh, I'm, I was happy to come back. I found I found like my time in England was done. I mean, the twin twin boys came along, and I just thought uh, logistically that it made a lot of sense to come back. Um, I felt every every sort of box was ticked. Uh, everything had been sorted out, you know, and I could come back now and focus on my cricket. I, mean, I knew when I left England, I had, if I come back after three years, I'm 32, and I could sort of, I wanted to finish my career here. You know, for me, international cricket's always the pinnacle, and it, and it, and, and it still remains that way. Um, to go to argue, answer your point about the the qualifiers, and uh, it was at March 2018. That was the lowest day of my life. That UAE loss. I mean, we played so well. Up into that, I mean, we, we, we beat Afghanistan. We, we could have beaten the West Indies. We, beat, we tied with Scotland. Um, we dominated Ireland. Um, we were going so well. And then just the crunch, crunch period, hey, we just we let it slip. Um, so that was the lowest of the lows, the, the UAE loss. And you know, not to be at that World Cup was, was tough to swallow. I mean, as play, for us, as, as fans and journalists, it was... I mean, I, I have no shame in telling you. I remember I was in tears at the at the press conference, you know. And Graham Cream had to actually ask me to please repeat my question because he un- couldn't understand what I was what I was saying. But it was a bit like a coliseum. BT was that in my all my experience of going to Harare Sports Club, and believe me, I've been there with very big crowds. When England were there in '96, '97, they had to close the gates. Something similar happened again in that game against the UAE, and and just. The, the incredible expectation, the atmosphere. Did you, we could certainly, as fans and as, as the media, we could feel it. Could you, could you feel it as well? It, 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 it was a very different Harare Sports Club. It was, it was. And it was that, that's what just added to the, to the hurt as well. Because I think, I mean, the, the, they were well over capacity there that day. They opened the gates to the public. Uh, and, and they came in and supported in huge numbers. And that's always tough, you know, to, when, when, when you have a bad performance like that at the most crucial time of your career. Um, it's hard to 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 get your head around that. Um, and we had a good side. We had a we had a good coaching group that prepared us really well for that. And 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 we just stumbled at the last hurdle. And that's the fine lines that we had to deal with. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 gone now, isn't it? So there's no point harping on about it. Um, we've got Australia. We've got a big year ahead of us um, through trying three months, four months, and we've got a lot to look forward to. And that's what excites me. And then just to conclude, I, that I guess you you kind of reiterate or you you jumped ahead and, and answered my question already. But now a couple of uh, of stuff that that lies ahead. Everything that has happened in terms of you know the ICC getting involved and in suspending Zimbabwe, that's thankfully is behind us now. Yeah. I suppose all that you and the rest of the players now do is completely clear minds of what has happened, put everything that has happened firmly in the past, and you now focus on what lies ahead. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and I mean. I, I'm a firm believer now that you control what you can control, and that's that's focusing on your preparations as a cricket player and as a group of players. Um, you know, the outside of that, there's, there's there's no area for us to get involved in that, and that's where we probably got it wrong a little bit. Um, but the, the intentions are always right, and they always will be right. But um, you know, I'm always passionate about the Zimbabwe team, and 
uh, and trying to finish on a high where I f- it was in a better place than when I arrived in it. So that's the mentality. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's still gas in the tank. Uh, we still have some good players. We have some good youngsters coming through. Wesley Mataveri and, and Ryan Burl, these are the guys. These are, these are the future, PJ Moores. And, and so that's hugely exciting. And, and if I can make a little bit of a difference to them, um, then I feel like my, I'm doing my job. You're listening to Dean at Stumps, hosted by Dean Duplessis. Well, there you are. So not the uh, usual 45 or or 46-minute podcast, but uh, short and sharp and to the point. That was Brendan Taylor having a bit of a chat. I enjoyed that immensely, uh, as we always do when we catch up. So uh, just a reminder again, if you've heard about the Dean at Stumps podcast for the first time and you'd like to hear interviews with Michael Vaughan, uh, Dave Houghton, Sean Pollock, and many, many more. Well, you just subscribe to the podcast via your preferred podcast app. Thank you very much indeed for listening. It's great being with you. And uh, we'll be back again pretty soon for with uh, the next interview. But until then, it's goodbye. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast.